Lord God, I am so grateful for this community. I'm so grateful that your presence is already so clearly in this place. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that anything that's of me this morning would be quickly forgotten, and that anything that's of you would stick to our hearts and change our lives. Father, I just pray that I know that a lot of us are carrying a heavy burden. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us how to lay that burden down at your feet this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been doing this series called Lead Follower, How to Lead and Follow Well. And you know, I think this is a really important series for us because whether you feel like it or not, all of you are both leaders and followers in different respects and different ways in your life. And I think it's important that we own that this morning. Just as the nature of having Christ in you, I guarantee you, people are following you whether you realize it or not. You are a pace setter in your neighborhoods. You're a pace setter in your workplaces. You're a pace setter in your families. Like when we have Christ in us, we are called to lead in lots of different ways. And so some of you have positions of leadership, and that's really important too. And some of you lead people relationally, and that's really important. And we should all be following. You know, we should all be following Jesus Christ first and foremost, and we need to do that well if we're ever going to lead anything. And then on top of that, we should be following and submitting to people around us. We should be willing to hear hard things spoken to us, be willing to follow the people who call us to things. And so even if that's just responding well to a friend who's challenging us on something, but we're all called to lead and follow. So this series is really important for all of us here this morning. We've been looking at this, following the way of Jesus. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Guys, we are following Jesus who followed the Father here on earth. God on earth chose to follow the example of the Father as a model for the rest of us. And so it is like us. We need to be like him in following the pattern of Jesus and the way that we lead others. You know, each Sunday in the series, we've been highlighting one aspect of leading and one aspect of following that creates a healthy leadership culture. And if you've missed the last few weeks, I'd really challenge you to go back and check them out. You know, Mark did a great job of talking about living honorably. He also really outlined what it's like, what we like view, how we view leadership at Horizon. And if you have never heard that before, go back and check out that message because it really helps give an idea of what we mean when we say leadership in this way. But how we live honorably as a leader and how we show honor to those we're following. Beth did an incredible job last week of talking about how as leaders in Jesus' economy, it's absolutely a little bit weird and that we're called to be servant leaders and actually pour out our lives for others as opposed to leading from a place of positional. But also, it's not above us as followers to try to serve the leadership and helping them to carry the out the tasks that they're called to do. And this week, we're going to be kind of talking about the burden of leadership and the burden of following. There's a burden that comes with both these things. We're going to kind of unpack that here this morning. You know, to do that, I'm going to tell a little bit of a story. I used to work for an organization called Young Life, a great season of my life. I learned a lot. I grew a lot as a young person in Young Life. I volunteer-led with them for four years in college, and then I went on staff with them. And um, I had an area director that whole time by the name of Rich, who was a great leader. He He taught me a lot about leadership. There was a lot of people who followed him. There was a lot that I could learn from him. And, uh, you know, as a young college guy, he was, he's kind of like a big, strong guy. Um, he's actually, I guess he's probably younger then than I am now, which is crazy because he seemed so old then. Um, but, yeah, he was probably about 35 when we were all in college. And, uh, you know, like, we used to go to these Young Life camps, and we kind of, like, all these guys would bunk in these huge rooms, like, 20 guys deep, and we'd kind of, like, have these, like, late-night conversations. And in a guy's cabins, it often turned to wrestling or pillow fights or some kind of rumbling. But the legend started to grow about how Rich was kind of like a legendary pillow fighter. Like, nobody could take him down. I'm like, he's 35 years old. Like, how, uh, like, how hard could it be? So we decided to test the lion a little bit one day. And our two cabins of guys with like 25 strong decided to raid his cabin. Like, pillows out. And the three leaders that we had, all college-age 
fairly strong guys were like, we are all targeting Rich, and we're taking him down. Like, this is happening. We're going in tonight. So, like, we busted in in the middle of the night, and we're, we're kind of, like, running in, like, pillows blazing, knocking guys aside. And I'm, like, small, shifty. Like, I made my way right to the back. I could see Rich, like, sitting with a mild confusion look on his face on this one bed as we all came, like, storming into his room. And I got there first, and I'm, like, he's not unarmed. He's sitting on the bed. I wind up, like, I'm going to crunch him. And I, I don't know to this day how a 35-year-old man who's a little bit bigger moves as swiftly and as, 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 like, with as much agility as he did. But in one deft move, he caught my pillow, like stepped behind me and shoved me to the ground. <laughs> and I'm like on my back, like what just happened? And he's just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I'm dazed, I'm confused. I don't know where things went wrong. I don't know where my backup is. I'm just out of it, like getting pummeled in the middle of this room. And then finally, like the next leader comes and his name's Josh. And he's like a two pound like lacrosse players. I'm like, oh, it's over now. He slacks the pillow out of like, Josh's hand and flips him around. And he grabs Josh by the back of the head because the next leader's coming. And Randon takes three big swings. And with each one, he blocks it with Josh's face. <laughs> like, boom, boom, boom. And then he takes him by the belt buckle and throws him into Randon. And they both careen into the wall. I'm just like, we have got ourselves in a hole. <laughs> we did not. We bit off more than we could chew in this moment. And he, then he's just off and running. Like, like, so much agility. Just like winding up and boom, sends a guy flying, winding up, boom, sends a guy flying. He had us all retreating within five minutes. Like they were pouring back into the hallway trying to get away. I really realized that day that Rich had something I like to call man strength. You know, I don't think it's like, it's different than weight room strength, which I've learned has no real life application whatsoever. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're strong in the weight room. I can do nothing in the real world, right? It doesn't matter. Um, but he has, like, I don't know if it's just bestowed at a certain age. I think it's like a mix of being, like, a dad. And I think it's a little bit of a mix of just not caring if you hurt someone anymore, right? Like, you just, like, you just, you just like, you're all out there. You're just doing what you want to do. And it doesn't, if the college guy cracked his head in the wall, that's okay. You know, he's a college guy. He'll get over it. <laughs> but Rich, Rich was a, a really good leader. So much so that when I was um, graduating college, I had the opportunity to go lead somewhere else. I got, was offered a couple area director positions in Young Life or intern positions that would grow into area director positions, but I chose to like, intern under Rich because I thought there was a lot that I could still learn from him. And it was a great experience for like, a, a time. And then you know, we reached this awkward season where I was ending my internship and we decided to kind of keep me on staff in the area, but they wanted to give me the title of co-area director because it was time for me to like, move into area directorship of Young Life. And so it was this interesting season of like, we were co-area directors, but there was, we didn't really know how to do that well. Rich had been leading a certain way for like over a decade, and I had been following him for six years. So, you know, we were in this season of like, like, what does it mean for us to kind of, are we peers? Is that even a thing? And it started to kind of run into some problems where I realized like he would kind of like say things like, what you need to do in this situation, and this kind of started coming out more and more often. And, and I was like, by what you need to, is that strong advice? Or are you still my boss? Am I like the co to the area director, am I the assistant regional manager, or am I the assistant to the regional manager? Like, where are we on this whole scale, right? Like, like what, is my, what is my place here? And it just led to a lot of confusion, and it really kind of came down, because part of why I was hired was to spread Young Life and grow it into the next county over. And to do that required a lot of, like, I felt to do that well required a lot of diverting more resources towards the new project. But there was a lot of insecurity about leaving the thing, the strong base. And so we started to have some significant tensions about, like, where are we going to invest this thing? I felt like the thing I'd been hired to do might fail if we didn't give enough to it. And he thought if we spread ourselves too far too fast, both might fail. But, you know, there were significant decisions that we had to make in this. And so the language, what you need to do, started coming out more and more. And I said, like, look, it's, we just need some clarity here. Because here's the problem, right? I didn't, there was a crisis of burden going on. 
Like, was I the leader or was I not? Like, you know, like, because if I'm the leader, there's the reality. I'm going to choose to take the risk and I'll own the fall if it comes. There, there's a weight to that. If I'm the leader of that, there is an absolute weight. The decision would be mine. And I'd have to, like, own that decision. And, like, if I'm going to choose to put resources towards this new thing and it didn't go well, that, that's a lot on me as a leader to make that decision. But if I'm the leader, it's my decision to make to some degree with, with wise counsel and with people talking into it. But, but, and the responsibility and the consequences of the decision were mine as well, right? Like if, if that's, that's kind of what leadership is. There's a burden to leadership and that you kind of get the chance to make decisions, but you have to wear the weight of those decisions. Or was I the follower in this situation? In which case, the decision wasn't mine. You know, that wasn't something I got to do. I, my role as a follower would be to say, okay, it's Rich's ch- time to make this decision, and I'm going to help that decision thrive, which means setting aside my own ego, which means setting aside maybe my own desire, and it means getting on board to help this thing thrive. But if this is the case, I, I'm working hard to support, but the weight in the decision of that would be on him. Does that make sense? Like, there's, there, and I think the important thing is a lot of times we don't know what burden we're supposed to be carrying and what burden we're not supposed to be carrying. And we carry burdens that aren't ours to carry. And here, there was just a massive confusion. And it's really important that we know what's our burden to carry. You know, we're going to kind of tackle this in a lot of ways. You know, I, I, one of the questions I often get, I think a lot of people aspire to be in leadership because they think it's easier that way or it's fun it's just enjoyable like a lot of questions like how hard is it actually to to get to make all the decisions like how hard is leadership you get to decide to do what you want to do right and like you get to delegate the work that you don't like this is what my view of leadership was in college like leadership sounds awesome like I don't like to do that I'll tell other people to do that (laughs) right or like uh, I get to make the decisions it's hard for me I was a little bit hard-headed it was harder for me to follow in, in a lot of different ways how hard could it really be? Well, I think we're going to kind of get to the weight of where it comes from. But I also see the flip side of this a lot of times. I hear people kind of like leaders complaining that, you know, people don't do what I say or my subordinates never kind of get it right or we just need better employees. Let me just say this. That is a burden, but it's a burden of poor leadership. That's not what we're talking about this morning, right? It's not about whether people follow you well or not because I think there's something to say about this in the sense that, you know, when we fail to empower people as leaders, when we fail to help them live really well, that's a difficulty in the leadership, but it's not the burden of leadership. Like, that's something you need to grow in as a leader. Like, when we chase away other strong leaders, like, when we are insecure leaders, we tend to fail to empower people. We tend to micromanage. We tend to be more worried about the product than the development of the person. And that's not good leadership. That is not an appropriate burden for a leader to be carrying. When we chase away other strong leaders because we're too insecure about how well people lead around us, that is not good leadership. That's not an appropriate burden to be carrying, right? Like, with, like in God's economy, we should be excited that people are rising to the top to carry things farther. We should be looking at ways to empower them, to help them grow beyond us. You know, I think insecure leaders keep people down because they're threatened by it. They're threatened of somebody showing them up or looking better than them. Sorry about that. Can you go back to that? Last one, Matt, I'm struggling with the clicker a little bit. Um, yeah, when we worry more about the, ta- when you worry more about the task than the people that you lead, that's not appropriate leadership. And we're gonna kind of talk about this, but like, like the task is very important. Whatever you're called to do, it's very important. But part of why you're appointed as a leader is because your job starts to become to care for the people underneath your care. The task is everybody's responsibility to some degree but you're supposed to care about the people that you're leading. It's a, it's a different role. To be a leader of people is to be called to play a different role in that. 
And that's so when we're talking about the burden of leadership, you know, if leadership always feels difficult, it might be because you need to grow as a leader. And I think that's a really important thing. And that's not an embarrassing thing. None of us were just born into leadership. Like, you can be put in a role and have no idea what you're doing. And it should be of no shame to say, I need some help getting better as a leader. I don't know how to empower people. I don't know how to do these things. Like, but that's not kind of what this sermon's about, necessarily. But it should be a journey that we all go on in leadership is to say, we all need to grow as leaders. But what I would say about this, there, there's difficult, it's difficult to lead people. But when you're a good leader, the difficulty decreases, but the burden actually increases. And we're going to talk about why that starts to happen. So what do I mean by the burden of leadership? You know, I, when I think of, like, the burden of leadership, I think the, the deepest picture I have of that in Scripture, and I'm drawn to it all the time, is when Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem, and he's looking at the city, and his heart breaks for these people that he just loves so immensely. And this is kind of his prayer. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think the burden of leadership is the heartbreak. The heartbreak for the people that you're leading. That you care so deeply about them that it moves you in powerful ways. And for Jesus, there's no better example of someone who carried the burdens of the people that he was trying to lead and the people that he was trying to love. As just, he just, he, you know, unlike us as imperfect leaders, he knew what was needed for them to be saved. He knew what would bring them life, and they just wouldn't hear it. And the heartbreak of that, when I think of the greatest burden a leader carried, it's Jesus Christ on his way to the cross, dying to save us from our sins, and he was unable to communicate to these people in a way that they would hear how desperately they were loved by God. There was just a burden to that. And the burden just wasn't the difficulty of the task. That was pretty heavy in itself. But the burden was how much he cared for those who were unable to receive it. There was a heaviness to that. I think about Jesus in that last week and just the heaviness that he must have been carrying. And really, the whole time, we're going to really center a lot on Jesus and his dynamic with his disciples because there was a heaviness to how he had to carry that. The burden of leadership, I think, is the cumulative weight of responsibility. The cumulative weight. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the leader feels the weight of ownership of things. You know, like, and I'm going to use a little bit of examples from my own life, not because I'm a good leader in any sense, and I'm not saying that. That's not why. It's because I was, I was naive enough to think that I could do a sermon on the burden of leadership and have a pretty easy week this week, right? Like, um, like I mean, God's like, oh, you need to live this out a little bit. Oh, okay, great. That's not what I wanted to do when I you know, set out this on Monday morning. But there's just, there's just some examples I think you can all relate to in this. Like, you know, one of the things, like, it's just the weight of ownership. Um, we have had so many incredible people in this church serving towards the purchase of this property and the purchase of the White House. And it has been awesome. I mean, like, people like Zach Kuhn who have done lawyers, bring, brought their lawyer skills to bear in ways that were just unbelievable. People like Steve McDonald, whose years of business experience. People, so many people, Brian and Kara, renovating, doing all the work. But I feel like I've just, like, the thing that's been on my mind is, like, I feel, like, somewhat responsible if it doesn't go right. If, like, we don't, like, pay the mortgage at the end of the day, if we don't have the money to make the renovations necessarily, and it's not really my job more than anybody else's, but it sits on me in, like, a different way. And that kind of came to bear with even the White House, like, cleanup day. We have this exciting day where 20-plus volunteers came out, and it was incredible. But, like, in Horizon's fantastic way of doing things, as of, like, Thursday, like, five people had signed up to help. 
because that's just what we do. Here's, here's what I've learned about Horizon. If you have 10 signed up, five of those will show up and 20 more will. <laughs> but like of the 10 who signed up, probably half of them aren't coming. You just can count on random strangers coming up and helping in ways, like, which is awesome. But it's really nerve-wracking. Can I just say that right now? It's really nerve-wracking to never know who's coming. Um, so if I'm like, constantly asking you, are you coming to that thing? It's because I genuinely don't know. <laughs> and I'm genuinely insecure about that. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. So like, you know, so we're sitting there and this like, I'm like, all these cleaning supplies and like, and, and Brian and I have been trying to coordinate. And on Friday he goes, I said something about like, so when's the mulch getting here? He's like, I thought you were getting the mulch. And I'm like, ah. Because guess what? If nobody picked up the job, Somebody's got to, and that was my task, right? So I, all of a sudden I have a job I didn't even know I had, and I'm scrambling, trying to get the mulch there. Is it going to be there by nine? Who's willing to do that on 24 hours of notice? You know, it was just like, okay, there's a weight that comes with being in charge ultimately of things. And sometimes it just sits like a heaviness. You know, and you can't really describe it. You just feel stress. It's like that feeling like you have a test coming, and you're like, yeah, I've done my studying, but I don't know that I'm ready, right? And I feel like that's just part of being a leader. There's a weight of the responsibility of the outcome of things. And here's the reality. We can't control the outcome of things, but we kind of still feel like it's our, our, our job, right? We just need to own that there's a heaviness to that. Responsibility begets more responsibility. Here is the great trick of leadership. If you are really responsible, people are going to ask you to do more and more and more. And some of you know this because I've done that to you. <laughs> Like, oh, Tyler always comes through. He can handle another thing, right? Like, uh, and you have, to, you have to tell me, no, no, I can't. I'm done. Checking out, right? So like responsibility begets more responsibility. But if you are really responsible with the things that God has given you, you're going to get asked to do more. And there's a compounding weight to the more that you take on. And a lot of times we're not wise enough to self-monitor to say, here's what I can do and here's what I can't. So we end up taking, we learn this by taking on too much, drowning under the weight and learning maybe don't do that next time, right? Like that's how we learn. And then we do it next time and we, okay, next time I'm really gonna get it better, right? But this is, this is the kind of weight that we learn under things. And, and the reality is it compounds. And having a lot of things to do feels a little bit like this weight, right? And so all of a sudden you're like, you feel in charge of things, and you feel like you have so many things that you're in charge of. And the reality goes, as you get more responsible, you're, it just increases everywhere you go. You become a parent, and you feel that weight because you have a lot of responsibility for your kids. And you get asked to lead this thing at church, and there's some weight to that because I'm in charge of that. And I feel like it, if I don't come through, it doesn't happen. Or my, and at my job, I just got promoted because I did my job well, and there's a little bit more weight to that, right? This is just a reality that we, you can all relate to. It compounds itself. The leader feels the burden of the people that he or she leads in just a different way. It's just a different way. Like most of us are in leadership positions when we're in them because we've loved people really well, especially at Horizon. We've talked, Mark talked about that at the beginning. We put people in leadership positions not because of how much Bible they know or whatever. It's because they love and lead people well. And when they love and lead people well, when those people are hurting, there's a weight to that. You know, I, I, there's a... In the middle of all this, there's so many people I feel like that were just hurting this week. And that's, do not, this, do not hear this as, don't call me when you're hurting. That's not what I mean. It's just a reality. This happens. A lot of people were hurting this week. And like, you know, I, one example is there's a girl who hadn't been to Horizon. It hasn't been to Horizon in like five years. But when you're, when you're like part of Horizon at any point, you're like part of the family. It's just part, you know, it's, it's just a reality. And so she started calling maybe a couple weeks ago with just some questions that were pretty hard. And then I started to realize that there was a little bit like, of disconnect, of things kind of starting to happen. And, you know, I have a family member who just went through postpartum psychosis. So I started to see some red flags in some of the calls and some of the questions and some of, like, the, 
But like, I, and so I started kind of you know, reaching out to some of her family, her husband and her sister. And I said, hey, I just want you to know, you might want to be keeping an eye on these things because I think, I think there, there might be something compounding in her. And then the break kind of came. She ended up having to get like, taken to the hospital, and there was this really dramatic scene at work, and the husband's talking to me about this. And, you know, you're having these conversations, and then the person's in the hospital and calls me from the hospital, and you hear the pain and the hurt and the confusion because they don't know why they're in the hospital. And you don't get off that phone and just say, well, let's put the game back on. Like, you feel that. You feel that. And it's good that we feel that. We're meant to kind of carry these things together. But here's the thing. When you're a leader, it feels like it can easily pile up. You know, and I, I was, I, I was um, even telling Kira, I felt like there was three days in a row, at least some point in the day, I felt like somebody was kind of standing on my chest <laughs> because of just the, all the, and it wasn't one specific thing. If you told me, like, is it the fact that you have a sermon on Sunday? Kind of. Is it the fact that the White House nobody signed up yet? Yeah, kind of. Is it that call that you got that was really hard? Yeah, a little bit. Right? Is it like, no, it's kind of a little bit of everything. It just kind of compounds. And, I'm, and, not to, and then again, this is not to say, because I'm really, really mean this. My job is not harder than anybody else's. We all have these situations. Right? And it's just really important that, like, that we have to own the fact that sometimes we don't even know why we're just feeling heavy. I, I can't even put words. It took me a long time in my life to realize that there was an emotional weight to things. I was like, I mean, I'm rested. I'm, I, I, why am I feeling tired? <laughs> like, I slept last night. I, I don't even understand where this burden and this drain is coming from. But it comes and it sets in. And if we don't manage that and we're not aware of that and we don't know what to do with that, that's what we call burnout. It adds up and it burns us out and it checks us out of leadership and we have to distance ourselves from leadership to get healthy. And what I want is for us to be in a culture where we take steps to be healthy without having to get to that point. You know, one of the deepest burdens of leadership can be isolation. And, um, and I, I love this, uh, you know, Jesus, I feel like, must have felt this so much. And he went to the Father in, in so many ways. But when they came, this is just to give a little background of where Jesus had been. He had just been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He is going towards Jerusalem. His end is coming, and he is trying to pass his ministry off to his disciples that he's been teaching how to do these things for years. He's been demonstrating how to heal, letting them heal, encouraging them as to heal. He's been doing all these different things. He's been teaching them how to teach. He's been walking with them. And so he goes on the Mount of Transfiguration with a couple of his close friends and he has this powerful moment and on his way down he comes you know he must have been he met with Elijah and Moses on the mountain and they talked about how he's gonna die he's like at the very end he's like all right I'm ready to move on like this is the moment and he comes down the hill and it says when they came to the other disciples they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them as soon as all the people saw Jesus they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him what are you arguing with him about he asked a man in the crowd answered teacher I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech Whenever it seizes him, it throws him, it throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And Jesus, in this very honest moment, just goes, you unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? He knows he's about to leave. He's like, you're not even ready. Oh, I've been trying so hard. You're not ready. How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Like these disciples who I'm entrusting with, they're not ready. And he must have felt so alone in that moment of like, if you guys aren't going to carry this with me, who's going to carry it when I go? And again, like, Jesus loved them well, and he walked with them, and he demonstrated, and he has a great conversation about prayer with them afterwards. But you can feel the loneliness in that moment with Jesus of saying, guys, like, I need you to step up and carry this with me. 
You know, there's this great quote in the book Way of the Wild Heart, and it's this very male language because it's a book about men for men. So, but I think it applies very, very directly. I, females in leadership, I see the same exact pattern. I do not think this is unique to men, but I think he just words this really, really well. Think of men who you know in positions of power. How many of them have close friendships with other men? Isolation is like a plague of office, and it's not good. The man becomes removed from companionship, from counsel, and from accountability. He begins to see himself as the only one who really understands, the only one with the right to rule, the only one whose opinion is valid. He will tend towards the tyrant at this point. Isolation becomes the natural flow of the river of leadership if you don't fight against it. It's so easy to get isolated when you feel like you're the only one in charge or the only one who gets it at work, the only one who gets your burden at home, the only one who gets your burden. This is a danger that we need to deeply avoid. You know, so there's a cumulative weight. There's a loneliness and isolation that comes from it. And some of this is beyond our control, but some of it's in our control. Before I kind of get into what we need, we're in that place. I do want to talk about the burden of following as well. Because I think what we need is actually similar for both. Following well is tough when you have poor leadership. That's just a reality. And a lot of you are in that position at work, in your lives. It might be in your neighborhood association. I don't know, but it's tough. It is really tough to follow well when your leader doesn't know how to lead well. But it doesn't excuse us from the right to follow well. You know, I think there's things that we have to have ownership of. How we follow can either help or farther erode the situation. Again, I'm going to go back to the disciples in one of their weaker moments, right? Like, you know, how they could, they could have really helped Jesus in this moment, and they dropped the ball on this. Jesus went with his disciples. This is to Gethsemane. Jesus is in his last moments, and he fights the temptation to maybe isolate and to think he's alone. He invites his dear friends into this heavy moment with him. And he says, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with them. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then they said to him, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And if you know the story, he goes away again, and they fall asleep again. Now, I think we're a little hard on them, but let's let's think about this. The burden of following is difficult. Jesus is their hero. He is their hero. They don't understand why he is in this moment of needing them so deeply, And I think sometimes the weight of that, like, I don't know if you've ever just been so overwhelmed that all you want to do is go to sleep. But I kind of get the sense that that's probably where the disciples were at in this moment, right? They just, they just couldn't even keep their eyes. I think, I don't think it was like that they were so detached from it. I think they were just exhausted by the weight. They didn't know how to carry it with Jesus, but he's still inviting them to try. They could have been with him, praying with him, watching with him in that moment. You know, Jesus had to go through something that no one else knows how to go through, But this is true, like when our leaders are often acting terribly, maybe they just don't know what they're doing and they need someone who's with them in this, at least willing to listen to them, at least willing to support them, at least willing to be with them. You know, burden of following means supporting even when you don't agree. This does not mean not speaking up, not challenging the person. I mean, that is important to do. I would, I would say you always have a right to go and talk to your boss about what's going on or the person who's leading something. Have direct conversations with them. Challenge that thought. When Rich and I were disagreeing about Young Life, we had a lot of hard conversations between the two of us. We even talked to our boss at one point to say, we need somebody else to weigh in on this. What is our dynamic of our role? And he said, Rich is in charge. Okay. Like that, we we needed somebody else to weigh in on that because we didn't know our dynamic. 
right? So it is important to have those conversations. What my responsibility was coming out of that, so we had a decision made. I knew that the proper you know, decision channels were correct. So I could go out and I could badmouth the whole thing. This isn't gonna work. Here's why it's not gonna work, yada, yada, yada. And guess what? It would probably become a self-fulfilling prophecy because I could probably control a lot about making that not work by poisoning the well. But the burden of following is that even though I didn't get my way, it's to say, I'm on team Young Life. I want Young Life to thrive in Cumberland County for as long as it can because I believe in the mission. So what does it mean for me to support that decision? I've disagreed well, now I need to follow well. Take ownership for how you influence the culture you are following. If you are a, a leader, and my guess is you lead in ways you don't realize, people follow you, and you set a pace in the culture that you could help control. Uh, we, a lot of us have bad work environments. What can we do to tweak that and to start to t- stem the tide of saying all the negativity and animosity, and what can we do to start to bring a positive change in the midst of that? Taking responsibility with what you were entrusted with. Guys, the more we take responsibility for what we're entrusted with, the more it takes off the plate of the leader. Here's one of the the things that I've really found to be absolutely just amazing about, you know, Mark and I have worked together for like 11 plus years. We're basically work spouses at this point. (coughs) You know, like, so like, um, and we're, we are actual co-leaders. We're, you know, there's not, not an assistant to the regional manager in there. But one of the things that I've found that's so powerful about why we've worked really well together over the years, and there's a lot of reasons. We have complementary skills. He's, you know, we, we try to be really humble with each other, all those things. We have a group that we answer to outside of ourselves. There's a lot of reasons why that works. But maybe one of the, the main ways is that I don't ever worry about a single thing Mark says he's gonna do. Like, He's responsible. He does what he says he's gonna do. And I like to believe that he doesn't worry about anything that I do because hopefully he thinks that Ryan's gonna take care of that. And that halves the burden immediately because Mark's gonna handle those things and so I'm not gonna worry about them. And then this really cool thing happened. We hired Steph and then she started to share the role with with Ashley downstairs. Here's the thing about the kids' ministry. I never at all worry about the children's ministry, like not even a little bit. I don't lose even a a speck of sleep over that because, and in fact, I'd be embarrassed about how little I know what actually goes on down there. (laughs) Like, I I think they're down there right now, but I really don't know. (laughs) I mean, they might have a field trip today. But like... um, but like, it's just the reality of like when, you ha- when, when there are people who are in positions of leadership and they are trustworthy and fully responsible and they're go-getters, it just removes from the brain and the burden. That burden, not even there anymore because we trust those people. We hire them because we fully trust them to carry it. And here's the great thing about Horizon. There are so many volunteer leaders who say, I'll take that off your plate and I'll carry that. And I don't worry about that anymore either. And then I don't worry about that anymore. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, some of the tasks that are mine to hold, I can give more attention and energy to because we have so many people who are responsible with what they're entrusted with. Guys, if you are following somewhere, carry what you're supposed to carry. And unless your boss is just a terrible micromanager, you're going to take something off their plate that's going to make their lives a lot easier. You know, this is the passage right after the feeding of the 5,000. This just happened and I think this is such a powerful moment because the disciples got he basically entrusted, and Tom did a great job talking about this. They got entrusted to pass out food that they didn't have. <laughs> and so like, I just wonder how that conversation is basically going. Like, this is going to be so embarrassing. But they trusted Jesus enough to start passing it, and it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies, and they shared in that burden in that moment. But I think Peter's finest moment as a leader, 
maybe his finest moment. John tells more of the story. He, they go away and the people follow Jesus again. And Jesus gives some really hard teaching about how he's the bread of life and how they're gonna have to eat of the bread of life to survive. And people are like, what does that mean? I don't get it. And this powerful moment happens. It says, from this time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus, in one of the most vulnerable moments you could ever imagine Jesus in, says, you don't wanna leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. He makes himself vulnerable to the people that are, that are following him. And Peter, and, his, and he doesn't get enough credit for this moment. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus, we will follow you anywhere. Guys, like, when we are followers of Jesus, first of all, there's one person that we should never question, right? Only God deserves our unquestioned obedience, but he deserves it. Other people we need to question, we need to talk, but yeah, yeah, only God deserves our unquestioned obedience. Being a support to the leaders in your life is a difficult calling. It just is. But you will grow in what you are entrusted with. You know, so how do we carry a burden? And this, I think, goes both to following and to leading, and I think they will apply in different ways. But first of all, like, what we need to carry a great burden is, to, is people who take responsibility. Whether you're a leader, whether you're a coworker that has coworkers, we either need leaders who take responsibility and we need people who are with us who share that responsibility together. No one person is built to carry all the weight that we end up trying to carry. And if you carry too much of it, you might be a micromanager, right? You might, be, like, you might not be trusting people around you enough. There are worse things in the world than somebody like dropping the ball on one thing. And that might be you burning out because you don't know how to pass it around. You don't know how to invite other people into your burden. We need people to share the burden with. I don't mean, and in this sense, I mean people that we can talk to. People that we can actually let, out, let our hair down with and just be really honest with. And I think there's this weird thing among, like, yeah, and I, don't, I wouldn't say it's weird, but I, you know, one of the things I always kind of ran into in seminary and stuff like that was that Pastors were really afraid to share with people in their own church kind of the burden that they were carrying. And part of that's probably because you don't want to share anybody else's stuff. But what I found to be so special about Horizon is that like, there, are, there are peers that I can just talk to about what I'm dealing with on a regular basis. And I don't feel any shame in saying, I'm struggling right now, guys. There's a group of guys from this church that I get together with regularly, and they ask me how I'm doing. And I get to tell them honestly how I'm doing. Like, as a leader, it is arrogant to think that we don't need what the church provides. We need what the church provides. Like, we absolutely do. Clay Carver talks about that, the, the founder of Horizon in a lot of ways, just in, and it actually talked about it in the podcast that we recorded, but like, he, he just, why he set the culture the way it was. He's like, I just selfishly didn't want to be a part of a church where I couldn't participate in it. And it's like, that's awesome. That's what the church is meant to be. It's meant to be that for everyone. We need people that we can share that and to talk with and to be honest with. You know, continuing his thought on that, John Andrew says, don't isolate yourself and don't let it happen to you because it will organically happen if you don't fight actively against it. Life naturally isolates. Surround yourself with good counselors and listen to them. Let your allies and colleagues make decisions that affect you. Seek out friendships with a few others. Be intentional to fight the isolation. Absolutely. The other thing that we need is we need knowing what is yours to carry. And this is, I'm gonna give you some questions and this is what I'm gonna kind of end on because I really want us to really wrestle through these questions. You know, what is my responsibility and what is someone else's? If it's not my responsibility, I need to learn how to let go with it. Most of us are drowning under responsibilities that are not ours to carry. 
What is my decision to make? And where is it my job to follow? If we know that this is my job to follow in this situation, and we know when it's our, you know, you know what's funny? One of the times I get most stressed out as like a leader, this is the stupidest thing in the world, I'll just be really honest. It's when it's snowing and I, someone has to make a call whether we're gonna cancel snow or church or not. And it's like Mark and I get on a phone call and I just want him to, to make the call. I, I'm like, I just don't wanna be that, it's, just, it's a lonely moment, like with an hour to spare to say, I don't wanna be responsible for people getting in an accident and I don't wanna be that guy like when it flurried and stopped. And everybody's like, why did Ryan cancel church? He just doesn't wanna work today? Like, <laughs> Like, it is like such a weirdly, sadly lonely moment. I'm like, I, I want somebody else to make that decision. But it's like, that is one moment where I just be like, I'm like, I just have to reach it. We're canceling. All right. I just, like, just rip the bandaid off. Like, we're doing it. But it's like, you know, but it, it, there's times that I agonize over things that really aren't even mine to agonize over. And we all do that, right? And then this is the way the biggest thing. What is my part and what is God's part? Because you can do your part well and it can still not go the way you hoped it would. And that's the reality of life. We, call, we are called to do our job well. One thing I've been trying to learn to get better at is letting people know early on in our conversations, here's what I can help you with, and here's what I can't. So let me do my part, and I'll do any of my part that I can. I'll do my part to the best of my ability, but I can't fix this for you. Right? You're gonna need some combination of other professionals. You're gonna need some combination of God setting you free from this. You're gonna need some combination of peers who are gonna walk you with this daily. Here's what I can do, right? And, and I think we all need to be able to sort through that. And guys, that is an ongoing battle. I wrestle with that, like every day when I'm stressed, when I feel that weight coming, I literally have to sit down and be like, what's my part and what's not my part? My part's this. Okay, I can do that. I can do that. But God, I need you to come through on that. And I need somebody else to maybe help me with that. And I need, you know, but that is a big conversation that we have to honestly have with ourselves on a regular basis. What is my part and what is God's part? The weight of carrying things that aren't yours to carry can drown you. Because they're not yours to carry. They weren't built for you to carry that way. Yeah, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come back up. And I'm just, this one passage came to me while the worship team was leading. And I wish I included in the sermon. So I'm just gonna read it to you right now as the worship team takes their place. This is Jesus talking about burden, right? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. What's the beautiful thing about a yoke? It's carried by two oxen who walk together. Jesus says, look, come and walk beside me. Are you feeling overwhelmed? Are you feeling like this is too much for you? You're not walking in step with me. Like, come and, like my burden will be easy when you let me carry my part and you carry your part and we'll walk in this together. My burden is easy. My, no, my, yeah, uh, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Uh, let me pray for us as the worship team plays. Lord God, I thank you so much um, for this community. I just thank you for how much weight collectively this community is able to carry. Lord, I know that they carry the hurts and the pains of family members. They carry the hurts and the pains of neighbors. Lord, they carry so much. Lord, I know that they are leading in incredible ways in our community. Lord, the city of Baltimore, the community of Towson would be so much darker if this community wasn't out there carrying so much weight just in the places that they work, in the places that they live, in the schools that they parent in. Lord, I just thank you so much for how much you have empowered this community to do. But I also confess myself, and I know that there are so many out here who need to confess this as well that sometimes we take on burdens that are not ours to carry. 
And Lord, we feel ourselves drowning under the weight that is not meant for us. And Lord, I pray that you would be the one who teaches us what is ours to carry and what is ours to let, let go of, to lay down at the cross, to say, Jesus, this is yours to carry. Father God, I pray for relief from the burden that so many carry. I pray that you would come alongside them, that you would walk with them, that you would teach them how to carry the burden well. Lord, I thank you that you never give us more than we can bear. In Jesus' name.